0: Hey, First Readers, a quick word before we start. We have had a blast doing First Reading these past few years, and we'd like to see it expand and grow. If you would like to help us in this endeavor, you can support us not only by listening, but by making an online donation. On our website, firstreadingpodcast.com, there's a great big donate button that will let you make a one-time donation via PayPal or any major credit card. Or you can set up recurring monthly gifts as well. Ugh, fun. For any first readers who set up a recurring five or more dollar donation, we will send you a complimentary first reading coffee mug with a little biblical Hebrew humor on one side. Thanks. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast where dorks unite on all things Bible. I'm Reverend Dr. Rachel Rand. Whoop, whoop assistant professor of biblical studies trinity lutheran seminary at capitol university and
1: i'm rosie Campbell, a phd candidate in hebrew bible at emory university our delightful co-host tim mcninch is off this week so it's rachel and me and we're going to bring you preaching tips on amos 6 verses 1 uh Sub a and four <laughs> through seven so an odd sort of mishmash of verses there uh the first reading for september 25th 2022 and rachel is up this week so i am really curious to see what you do with this text
0: yeah it's one of those that's so tough to preach because it's so beloved and so common that it's like embroidered on pillows am i right mm. I don't know what kinds of pillows you've been seeing lately, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I, it's getting close to Halloween here. So I think I've been watching a little too much Tim Burton lately. Uh, no, but seriously. So this is one of those texts that gets a bad rap because it hits too closely to home. You mm. know, I mean, I, I know being in the parish, like you get to preaching on Sunday morning and then you, you start to prep the next week's texts and you kind of look at those and, uh, inevitably, there's one text that you're just like, mm, nope, not going to preach that one. And and this is that, I think, for so many preachers. So first readers, if that's you, just give us five minutes of your time. Give me five minutes to try to uh, uh, convince you otherwise, because I think that this text is actually really powerful. It's a text about wealth. It's a text about reputation. It's a text about overconsumption and the way indulgences obscure our senses to the pain around us and the way we use those indulgences specifically to numb ourselves to the suffering of this world. So I'm actually going to start by giving you what I see as the preaching point of this text up front, just to convince you to stay with me here. And then I'll start walking through it and explaining it. Nice. I like having dessert first. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect analogy. Okay. (laughs) On that note, the dessert of this episode is that the ease and security of our lives is slowly poisoning us. Mmm, really inspirational beginning. (laughs) I think you're going to have a lot of people wanting to preach around that core. (laughs) Super yummy dessert. I know, I know. So if you were Lutheran and listening to me right now, you'd say something like, well, that's a way to preach the law, Rachel, but where is the gospel? What that means for my non-Lutheran first readers is that I'm preaching people into further bondage without actually freeing them from it. That would be the claim that if that's your preaching point, you're just shoving people further into bondage. You're not actually freeing them from it. However, my dear mentor, Reverend Dr. Rolf Jacobson taught me that there are times where the law can actually function as gospel where the law can actually function in such a way to free you from that bondage. Now, that's not by showing up and telling people you're doing it wrong, you suck this, you need to focus on these things. That is the law functioning as the law. This text, however, I would propose that a careful preaching of this text could operate as gospel without trying to pretty it up at all that there are people in your pews who will hear this message and will actually experience it as freeing instead of as condemning. Hmm. Okay. How do you see that happening? All right. Let's walk through the text a little bit. So it starts with one of our favorite first reading Hebrew onomatopoeic words, a word that is basically equivalent to the sound it makes. (laughs) It's, it's used to get attention either for purposes of encouragement or not so much encouragement.
1: Yeah. And it's pretty obvious to see which
0: use of hoy is being drawn on here. Definitely. This is a prime example of like not so much encouragement. Amos starts with hoy, or we might translate it as alas for those who are at ease and for those who feel secure. This right out of the bat is the exact opposite of what we typically experience here in the United States. Our collective goal, I think I'm pretty safe in saying this, our collective goal is to be more at ease, to be more secure. Now that's in part because we believe that the more secure we are in life, the healthier we will be, right? I mean, psychologists are pretty clear on that one. The more secure a child feels at home and at school, the healthier and happier they will be.
1: Sure. I mean, that seems true to a certain extent, but there's also a lot of good psychological research on the fact that kids need a certain amount of struggle healthy struggle to become Mm. fully whole human beings and Mm. that they learn to trust themselves and those around them when they can see that things go bad but not completely fall apart
0: yes exactly and that's a part of the equation that we don't often hear about or we don't like to hear about right Mm -hmm. So as parents, when we don't hear that message, we just hear the ease and security message, we go around thinking that everything that is not easy for our kids, Mm. everything that is not secure means we're doing it wrong. And that's a high level of anxiety to carry around with you all the time. And so we start to hear maybe a little bit of the freedom perhaps that Amos is offering for when he says, hoy, alas for those who are at ease and for those who feel secure.
1: Oh, I think I see where you're going here. So the desire to be at ease or to be secure so that we can be healthy and happy is actually in some ways an obstacle uh, Mm. that's keeping us from being healthy and happy,
0: right? That's where you're going. Right, right. It doesn't matter which study you look at, and this won't be news to congregants, but Americans are among the Mm. most highly anxious people in the world, right? pastors top that list too, especially. And part of it, I would submit is because we spend so much of our time thinking that if we don't do X, if we don't have Y, if we can't give Z, then we're doing it wrong. Alas, for those who feel at ease and for those who feel secure, because we start to believe that all we should be doing is working for ease and security. I'm curious, first readers, if there might be someone in your congregation who perhaps would love to work a little less, but they think they have to work themselves out of life in order to, quote, support the lifestyle of their family. Mm -hmm. Whenever you hear that phrase, support the lifestyle of, I I would suggest that there should be warning bells going off because the focus has shifted. The focus is no longer, I want to support my family. But I want to support my family's lifestyle because if I don't, we won't have ease. We won't have security. I will be doing something wrong. And so I am stuck here in bondage to ease and security, even if it is slowly draining away my life.
1: Wow. (laughs) I see what you're doing there, Rachel. Um, And it's probably not everyone in the pew who'll be hearing it this way, but I can totally see uh, the people who might feel that way and are waiting for permission to do life differently, to focus on things differently, and to maybe even allow some of that discomfort, some of that source of life that you suggested mm-hmm. back in.
0: Yeah, I think so. And I think it's, I mean, even beyond people who are working full-time, you can talk about parents who are the the full-time parent at home. What is the burden that they are carrying of working for ease and security for their family, uh, which maybe they could put down for a hot minute, and and maybe could be um, actually an obstacle to what they're trying to achieve. When we it, see, I think when we experience our lives not only as prosperous but as in bondage to that prosperity, it can become literally suffocating. Now, so if you place this text side by side with the gospel text assigned for today, it might seem to suggest that everyone who is experiencing prosperity now experiences it as a sumptuous life. But by putting these texts together, the gospel text casts a bit of a hellish glow, so to speak, on the Amos Hmm. text. And it opens up the idea that perhaps Amos is saying, "Hoy, alas, to the folks of his time, not only because their wealth is causing them to hurt others, but because it's even truly hurting themselves. This is a message that could take some courage to preach. It it might make you feel like you're, you know, kicking the golden calf, so to speak, and and maybe speaking to something that that could be a little difficult. So I think the the preaching pitfall that I see here is that um, you could hammer this one a little too hard and hammering this one a little too hard will make the law just function as law. It'll just make people feel worse about themselves. But I think being being careful with it, being perhaps um, invitational about this message, inviting people to kind of see where it hits in their bodies and where it hits in their experience, and then uh, maybe inviting them to pray about it in the week ahead. Um, I think there's some potential there that that if this message is preached pastorally and honestly and authentically, it really could be a freeing thing for folks who are carrying burdens that they don't need to carry. That's a nice
1: point. It's good to have some sort of practical way to frame what might come across as a difficult message for some. And then an invitation maybe for others to think of and possibly meditate on a different way of being in the week that's to come.
0: Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, COVID for some folks um, has that that recent memory of times when you were forced to be at home and you couldn't work to support the lifestyle of your family. You couldn't even have the lifestyle of your family. Um, And while that was a stressful time, we hear stories over and over again of folks who are really grateful, you know, if they were privileged enough to experience it as a pause button uh, they were really grateful for that pause and and maybe this is a good moment to help them start to remember um, and recapture some of that desire to have their focus be on something a little bit different.
1: Right. I appreciate that too, because I too think of COVID and how it helps strip away some of the mm. extras that uh, yeah. you thought you needed, all yeah. of a sudden you realized what really mattered and it was yeah. pretty simple when it came down to it.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. exactly. <laughs>
1: Well, friends i hope that helps uh as you think about these texts and continue to work on your sermons and uh continue to love on the hebrew bible here uh yes. that will wrap us up for the week thanks so much for listening and if you like this podcast send this episode along to a friend thanks to our supporters including trinity lutheran seminary at Capitol university and maybe you too for your generous <laughs> donations <laughs> We love to interact with our listeners, so drop us a note on the Facebook page or send an email to firstreadingpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Rosie Candidhal.
0: And I'm Rachel Wren. Blessings, first readers.